0: And uh, that means we've got a full slate of content over at Frogs of War. So you should be on the lookout for that. During football season, honestly, you could just visit the site every day. There's going to be stuff up, and it's really exciting. We've got a great team of writers um, churning out some awesome content. A bit of housekeeping. Um, I will be writing two Stats of War pieces a week for this season. So first, I'm going to have my regular Thursday advanced stats preview of TC's opponents. And I'm going to be adding a Sunday post this year as well. So I'll rewatch the games on Sunday mornings. I'll do the passing charts that I introduced last year, and I'll just throw my notes into a um, into a piece. I'll put some graphs in it and just kind of break down what happened yesterday. So excited to uh, get that get that extra piece up on the site this this year uh, as well. As for podcasting, I'm going to be intermittently continuing that as time and programming allows. So uh, Jamie and Melissa are, I think, exactly as we speak right now, recording the Frogs of War podcast. Um, doing a little football preview, talking about the season, talking about the Frogs. And so uh, we'll have a ton of football podcasts sometimes that'll be here It's as, as a standalone Stats of war. Sometimes that'll be on the Frogs Award podcast, but it'll uh, it'll be around for sure. So uh, I do have a podcast tonight, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I just re- uh, finished recording with Stephen J. Gaither of HBCU Game Day. And he came on and was so generous with his time, talked about HBCU football Talked about the context of UAPB as a program, TCU's opponent this weekend. Um, talked about storylines and kind of what you should look for. A really, really great episode. Runs about a half hour of conversation. And um, again, so grateful to Stephen for coming on. You can follow him at Stephen J. Gaither. Um, On Twitter, you can follow HBCU game day on Twitter. They've got a TV show that he gives us the details for uh, that'll that'll be up weekly um, on Aspire this this season. So a lot of exciting things happen for HBCU game day and we're super excited to talk to them. Um, Other than that, I'm going to just get out of the way and let this interview happen. Follow me at Stats of War. Um, Let's talk about numbers and stats and all the things that are going on. I'm excited for the football season to be here. Uh, Everybody come to the car on Saturday. Other than that, enjoy the episode. All right, I've got Stephen J. Gaither. Here with me from HBCU Game Day, Steven, Thanks for coming on the podcast, man.
1: Appreciate you so much for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Um, yeah, well let's get let's get right into it. So um, you uh, run or affi- affiliated with the HBCU Game Day site. Tell me about that site and kind of uh, how long it's been around and how you've how you've been affiliated with it.
1: Right. Well, uh, uh, yeah. So I started HBCU Game Day back in twenty twelve um uh and so yeah we that's that was day one and and here we are uh coming into our eighth football season our seventh full year getting ready to start our first tv show so it's been quite a ride and uh yeah it's uh so we've been around for that long but um you know we just specialize in providing uh content uh on hbcu sports and culture and uh yeah so we've been around since uh july of last july last year, last month was uh made seven full years but yeah, no, I um. Uh, but yeah, I, I just started off, uh, just me trying to find my way in the journalism world. Uh, I went to an HBCU, Winston Salem State in North Carolina, um, and you know, like everybody else, you know, I wanted to work for, you know, the four letter network and everything like that. Um, you know, got out of school and 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 that didn't materialize, and I was working, you know, customer service jobs and things like that, and I just. I knew that I could do and covering high school sports in my part-time. I just knew I had more than that to offer. So um, I thought there was a, a hole in sports content digitally for HBCUs. And I uh, just started plodding along the path and, um, you know, just slowly built a following online and then started to come into some folks who shared the vision and had the talent to help take it to the next level. My partners, tally Carr, and then now Wiley Pitt. Uh, and a host of other folks who have joined on this journey with me. So it's it's been um, a great ride, starting from just you know kind of figuring like, hey, wouldn't that be nice to to trying to make it into something that people can actually tangibly see and awesome. feel.
0: Um, and you guys have you guys have twenty two thousand followers on Twitter. So for something that you just kind of started up, that is um, that's super impressive what you've built. Um, okay, so. Uh, yeah. And yeah, Appreciate for sure. That. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about HBCU football in, in general. Um, so for a lot of people, HBCU football is two things. It's buy games where their team pays, you know, a million dollars and, or however, a hundred thousand dollars and brings a team in and right. beats them 400 or nothing. And it's also the celebration bowl, which is kind of the 1st right. postseason game, uh, where, where the two, uh, the two best. Uh, HBCUs kind of play and and have a uh, crown themselves a champion as well so um, beyond that what is what makes HBCU football so special what's it's kind of driving force that, that keeps it alive as it's own entity
1: uh, I think it's just the the shared beginning of the schools. You know, HBCU for those who people who don't know, that's historically black colleges and universities. You know, these were schools that were started. You know, from the Civil War era all the way up until the the 40s and 50s when you know, uh, you know, black folks couldn't play at couldn't play at a major university um you know um they couldn't play at at the tcus or the texas or the or whatever the case may be so um you know they had to uh you know their own football world and so um you know it's 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 in in the in the everyday sense of the word it's a show and that's why I decided to call it HBCU game day the game is a major part of it obviously the players are there they want to win there's a history of producing great players and talent some of the greatest players in football history have come out of HBCU's Um, but then also there is the the showcase part the the bands and the cheerleaders that uh, that are just have their own unique flavor Uh, and it's really just a place where you know folks could gather uh, to support education, support sports, support, uh, and just kind of make a lot of noise and cheer and yell for for in a in, a, in a, for their team. So, um, you know that's the the, the shared history. Um, you know you've got, you know, as you said, the Celebration Bowl. That's between the MIAC and the SWAC, the two Division One FCS conferences. But there are also the C.I.A.A., which is the oldest. Division for Black Colleges and the SIAC who are the forerunners of those uh, of those conferences and they still play football at the Division 2 level. So, you know, um, and one of the reasons why when I was starting the site, you know, I was looking at my school, my school in Salem State had had uh you know pretty decent adequate coverage but a lot of the other hbcus even some of the bigger schools didn't even didn't have that type of coverage but um you know they have that shared history and uh vibe and really they're like Uh, the biggest they're like I would say that they're the biggest conference in college football Um, just because you know you have a lot of people who follow who may have gone to you know a school that may be in the MEAC and they still follow the SWAC or they still follow the SIAC or the CIAA it's a lot of um, there's a lot of connectivity and I think that connectivity is what makes it week to week for those who follow it something very special.
0: Definitely. Um, Yeah. And so I I lived uh, I lived just near the Liberty Bowl and they in Memphis and they have the Southern Heritage Classic every year. And just being around that environment uh, on game day is just it's it's next level. Having been to like some some serious Division One college football games and being at something like the Southern Heritage Classic. It's it's a it's pretty incredible what the community aspect of the HBCUs are and just kind of how everybody gets so excited and so riled up for it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, all right. So uh, kind of getting kind of getting specific about HBCU football this year. Um, everybody knows, uh, you know, uh, North Carolina A&T has kind of been the, the team to beat the national leader in that. And um, so what are kind of the storylines going into 2019 that uh, fans should look out for as we're as we're casting an eye towards some some football games we might not watch otherwise?
1: Right, right. Well, if you're looking at uh, North Carolina A&T, you know, you have to look no further than the last three years, 2016, 17, and 18. They've knocked off FBS opponents now. They haven't been the greatest FBS opponents. Uh, Kent State in 2016, UNC Charlotte in 2017, and, you know, a a struggling East Carolina program in 2018. But again, for HBCUs who are all in the FCS or or division, FCS or lower, so Division II or FCS, um, you know, to beat an FBS team. Um, where uh, they have, you know, they have more scholarships. They have the tradition. And quite frankly, you know, here in North Carolina, they don't have the stigma that comes along with HBCU sports a lot of times. Um, That's been major for them. So they're looking to keep that streak alive. Not only did they beat beat East Carolina last year, but they beat a pretty good Jacksonville State team, which is a really good FCS program. They played in the playoffs last year and, and several years as well as that. So North Carolina A&T uh, has been the team to beat. They've uh, they lost some of their players. They've lost their all-time leading passer. Um, they've lost uh, the running back who came in and stepped up for Tariq Cohen uh, and led the, the conference in rushing rush in the last couple of years as well. So they've lost a lot of pieces. Um, they lost Daryl Johnson, who got drafted by the, the, the Buffalo Bills. Um, so they've lost some pieces, but they still have some, some major pieces that are there. And they should, again, be in the thick of the race in the MEAC. Um, expect them to be challenged by Bethune-Cookman down in Florida and uh, Howard University, who's uh, home to Kalen Newton, the, the younger brother of Cam Newton, um, who's uh, put up some pretty good numbers his first two years. So those are some of the teams you'll want to look at, as well as Florida A&M, who will play a UCF.
0: Oh, right, right. They, they beat somebody.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Howard beat UNLV two years ago. Um First game uh, under Mike London, who's now moved on to William and Mary. Um, That's right. And uh, that was Kalen Newton's first game, and and nobody expected them to do anything because you know Howard, even in HBCU circles, they're a middle of the road team most years. They've they've only got a handful of of conference titles. Um, they haven't won one in all, you know over 25 years. So um, that was really a surprise, even within the HBCU world. But of course, you know, whenever they pull off those upsets, everybody's rooting for them to do it just because it's a big thing so um so they're definitely somebody to watch um and he's got they've got a fun offense um you know they've got to put some things together defensively but they'll put up you know 40 points in the game pretty easily um they've got a tough game against Maryland this week so they'll see how good how much better they've gotten definitely they won't sneak up on them like they snuck up on UNLV uh and then over in the SWAC um the champion there is Alcorn State who Uh, Probably brings back more talent than anybody else in HBCU football. Uh, Their quarterback Noah Johnson uh, is is a solid passer, but he's a wizard with his feet. Um, Of course, you know people remember Alcorn State from producing uh, Steve McNair. Uh, His brother. his brother uh, is the head coach there now, and he's uh, he's got an exciting team with uh, two of the best players in FCS football on offense uh, in running back Noah Johnson and, and running back Deshaun Waller. Um, they've got, you know, they put some guys in the league recently, uh, so they're a, a team that you want to look at. And then, of course, um, everybody, you know, most people are at least and somewhat familiar with the Bayou Classic, and that's Southern and Grambling, the two Louisiana schools in the SWAC, uh, who, you know, A lot of those guys that you see now at LSU or Alabama or, you know, even in Texas would have gone to LSU and played for, uh, you know, coach eddie robinson or some of the great folk, folk people that have come out of the swag there so um there's the bayou classic which always one of the best attended uh fcs games one of the best attended college football games um i mean they'll get 67 68 thousand people in there in the uh mercedes benz superdome and when that gets going it's, it's rocking as good as any any fbs game so um so yeah there's a so there's a, a lot of touch points and then of course the division two levels you know the team's there do compete in the playoffs, so um, you know they're, they'll be looking to see if they can, you know, advance their causes there. And then also you've got to look over at uh, Hampton, who's not no longer in the MEAC; they're in the Big South now. They made that jump uh, last year, but their quarterback is uh, the former uh, Florida State quarterback uh, DeAndre Francois. Um, and so you know he's you know he he's left the program there at Florida State, but there's a lot of excitement about him at Hampton. Um, All right. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of that, um, you know, and Tennessee State, who's not in the MEAC or SWAC as well. They're in the OVC. As you said, they um, they compete against a couple of HBCUs every year. And, you know, in their best years, they're a contender in the OVC. They're trying to get back to that. So a lot of great uh, storylines at HBCU football always. And um, we're excited to to be on the ground floor with them, especially uh, as we uh, launch our TV show this year. So it's it's going to be a blast.
0: For sure. Yeah. And you mentioned about how well attended some of those games are. And, and you guys had an article at HBCU Game Day earlier this summer talking about how the SWAC just continues to um, just to dominate FCS football attendance. Uh, according to that article, 40 of the 40, 40 of the last 41 years, uh, the SWAC has led. The FCS and average attendance, which is just crazy yeah. to me for something that, like you said, has historically not been not one historically not been there um, and doesn't have the the long standing legacy of so many other programs, but two historically has been undercovered and kind of under the radar that people are still rallying around it and going to football games, which is pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you got to think about it, especially in the in the 80s and into the 90s, you know, football and even into the 2000s, you know, football games weren't televised. A lot of HBCU, you know, part of the the, the thing about HBCUs being left behind is a lot of the football games weren't covered. There was a time when BET would broadcast a couple games a year and um, there were, you know, a couple other and right. every now and then there'd be pop-ups who would broadcast HBCU football. But actually BET, the founder, uh, Robert Johnson, basically got his startup money by surveying people and asking would they be interested in watching grambling football uh, on a consistent basis and that's how BET was launched, so, you know, the football, I mean, just like anywhere else, you know, in the South, football is, football is king, um, you know, I, I'm in SWAC message boards all the time, and they're the one conference, you know, the, the other conferences, especially on the East Coast, you know, they they get excited about basketball as well, and track and things like that, but SWAC is, foot, like, just like the SEC, it's football all year long, it's football country down there, so, um, they're really excited about it, and uh, it's just a place for, like anybody, like any other college football, it's a place to go and tailgate and have football Fun, you know bring family um you know just you know get out there you know get a little have a little something in your cup enjoy enjoy uh and, and enjoy being off for the week like everybody else so um yeah it's uh but yeah those big games continue to pull in people um you know even in a time where we see how television Television is really affecting uh, attendance, so it's a testament to the strength of the brand and and really just how much the the alumni especially have pride in their schools. That's that's really what it's all about.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so I want to um, because that sounds awesome, and that sounds like plenty of plenty of reason for people to to plug in because there's a lot of there's a lot of storylines um, there. Uh, I want to I want to plug into the SWAC a little bit and just talk UAPB while I um, have someone knowledgeable, just because we are um, you know TCU we are a TCU podcast and we're a, a stats minded podcast and so we're looking forward right. to our uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff playing TCU this weekend um, and a little bit about Arkansas Pine Bluff just for the for the listeners. Um, in 2012, they went 10 and two and they won the conference. Um, which they had won their division in 2006, but haven't haven't really won outside of those two years. Since 2012, they have, uh, so 2012, they won eight conference games. Since then, they only have nine conference wins. Um, mm-hmm. They've lost at least nine games in uh, five of six years there, um, and only won one conference game in four of those six years since they were on top of the conference. So UAPB, they fired their coach in 2017, have been struggling a little bit. Um, Tell us kind of about the, the landscape of the SWAC and where UAPB football fits in that. Are they in the middle of the rebuild? Are they kind of floundering? Is there hope in the future or, um, or what's, what's going on there?
1: Yeah, well, they're, they're one of the newer programs in the SWAC. Um, SWAC's been around since 1924, but uh, Alabama, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff um, was the late edition. They weren't added until the late 90s when uh, they also brought in Alabama A&M from the SIC. They were kind of brought in as bookends once the SWAC in 1999 went to a championship format. Uh, and so, they, uh, so they're so they a younger program. They've had some success early. You know, you mentioned winning in the division uh, over a decade ago, uh, 2012 was really a magical year for them. Um, you know, some of the some of the bigger you know the bigger programs in the SWAC. Uh, there's obviously Southern and Grambling, um, you know, who people will know. Um, and then there's in Texas. You guys are in Texas. CC has so played Prairie both of them. Right, right, yeah, and and so they traditionally they have they they have they have really held down the fort in the SWAC West in the 20 years. Yeah, yeah. The 20 years that uh, in the 20 years that they've had this SWAC championship game, I think they've represented. Uh, I think they have repre- I think the other three teams in there maybe have three or four appearances total. Um, you know, so it's pretty much Southern and grambling every year. Um, then you've got your Prairie View and your Texas Southern who they both have a lot of excitement. Um, past couple of years, they've added new coaches. Of course, Prairie View had, you, people remember them for that very long, painful losing streak in the 90s, uh, where they lost, I think like 88, 89 yeah. games in a row. So they had, they've had their troubles as well. Um, they've had some, some triumphs. They, they won the SWAC, uh, about a, right before, uh, UAPB did as well. Uh, so there is uh they are a program that uh, is is uh, you know on the rise. They've got uh Eric Dooley is their coach. He's a, he played, uh, he played, uh, in the SWAC. Uh, he's coached under Pete Richardson. He's coached under Eddie Robinson and things like that. He finally got a chance to do the show last year and he had Texas Southern off to a really pretty hot start. People were really excited about them. Um, sorry, Prairie View and A&M because, uh, people may not remember, but they almost beat Rice their first game. I think they were a field goal away from beating Rice and nobody saw that coming. Um, and then uh, they gave Sam Houston State, which is a, a really good FCS program. They gave them all they could handle before uh, they succumbed to them in the game in Game Three. So um, you know, their program that people are looking at—they've um, they've kind of become that third wheel in the last decade. Um, you know, with so as Southern and Grambling have gotten better, because that's when UAPB was able to get that championship. Southern and Grambling were kind of down, but as Southern and Grambling have strengthened. Uh, Prairie View has become a program that uh, has had a lot of talent. They've produced some pro guys. Kadero Hodge is a receiver for the Rams, uh, as well as uh, Quentin Bell was just drafted as an edge rusher by the uh, Raiders this year. So they produce NFL players, but they've had a little bit of an underachiever streak. Uh, And so they're trying to trying to uh, break out of that third place and really try to get to the SWAC championship game. And then there's also Texas Southern, um, who uh, has hired uh, Clarence McKinney, uh, who is uh, part of Kevin Sumlin's regime uh, over in Texas. Uh, And and so they're really excited about him. Uh, They've got a former Florida State quarterback as well, DeAndre Johnson. Uh, You may remember he was a young man who was uh, caught on tape uh, with the... Uh, you know, uh, assaulting the young lady uh, was on last chance. You so they brought him as a transfer in here this year, and uh, you know he's got some. So you know, Coach McKinney has FBS experience. He has you know some time with Kevin Sumlin uh, hitting the recruiting trail. So now he's back there in Texas trying to build Texas Southern, uh, the alma mater of Michael Strahan. Um, so they have uh, you know oddly, but it's oddly enough their his alma mater, their program that. Uh, they're a basketball program. That's what they're known for in Texas. You know, their are ba- their basketball program and their football program is usually so-so. Um, so they're an anomaly there. And then you've got Pine Bluff, a um, you know, program that, you know, people will look at them and they'll say, oh, yeah, well, they've fallen off. What's happened? Well, they've had a lot of I mean, I think they're they are an example of the struggle. For HBCUs in the Division One landscape, particularly to advance, uh, they were NAIA for a long time. They joined the SWAC, um, and were kind of you know early on they were competitive. Had a little lull, and then they started to be more competitive. Um, won that championship in 2012, but um, they had some uh, they had some issues, uh, some administrative issues, some uh, athletes being incorrectly certified and so many hbcus over the last decade have had records uh have had records uh you know taken away from them because uh they don't necessarily have the funding to have people enough people in compliance to keep them above it so you know what you know they may have one person where other divisions through two schools division one schools will have Three or four, and a lot of times things will fall through the cracks. So they had uh, ineligible players certified and things like that. It didn't take away their SWAC championship, but uh, they did get NCAA sanctions, and that doesn't help. And then they've had struggles, uh, you know, filling their scholarship requirements. Um, you know, the former coach uh, Monty Coleman, who was a uh, with the Washington Redskins for a long time, won some Super Bowls there. He's a the team coach that led them to the championship in 2012. Um, and did he get become a become a bad coach. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe. But there's also the the scholarships. I mean, he said at one point they were playing with about 20 less scholarships than everybody else. So you know, you think the D1 max is 63, they were probably playing around 40. The D2 max is 36, so they were. You know, really fluttering along that line. So, um, but they've got a new coach. They've got new energy, uh, and they're hoping that this year will be better. Um, they they uh, last year. You talk about stats. This could be a game for TCU to rack up some stats. If we're honest, um, you know, they they did. Uh, take a 90 to0 loss last year. so they've got some work to do but um, it, it definitely um, they're definitely hoping that things can get turned around there. Um, I think they're a little bit better funded now so things are starting to turn around for UAPB and uh, they would definitely um, I think a good showing against TCU would make that would, would definitely go a long way for them and in instilling confidence in them as they try to, as they try to get things going.
0: Definitely. Um, Yeah. And I I was going to bring up that 90 to, I think at 90 to six or 90 to zero loss to South Dakota state. um, Nothing illustrates the gap between NAIA and this level of competition, even at the FCS. um, Because last year UAPB also beat Cumberland like 55 to six or something terrible. And Cumberland's an NAI team. And so you you can see that gap in the stats right there between Cumberland and uapb and then south dakota state is at the top so that's for sure um you mentioned a good you mentioned a good showing going into a bye game like this knowing that you're you're really not supposed to win you could shock the world but the odds are really against you um as a team what does uapb think a good showing against tcu is how do they take positive momentum away from this game
1: well, UAPB, I mean, the main thing is the money. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the contract figures are for this game, but that, you know, when you talk about scholarships, you talk about that type of stuff, that's what this game is for them. Uh, we call them cut-the-check games over at, North, uh, over at uh, HBCU Game Day. Of course, now after... Uh, a and T won last year, uh, and uh, the the you know bring me my money by Sam Washington went viral. We, we if you win it, it's a bring me my money game. But for most of the time, it's a cut the check game. It's a game where uh, you want to get out there and compete. Um, you know, put some points on the board and and just show your guys that you can compete against an FBS team. So then when you go down to the teams in your conference, you know you can say, hey, we've competed against guys that have you know supposedly more talent, that have more depth and we were able to you know do some good things so that's the main thing that you want i mean that you know the the odds are you're gonna it's gonna be a big blowout um maybe you know or if a good case scenario would probably be you know what what pair of did last year with um with uh with rice um you know where you you go in you got an fbs team maybe they take you a little bit lightly and you uh and you mess around and and you stay in, in the game and competitive and that's really gonna. Bring your confidence for your team. And then the dream scenario is the Howard UNLV, uh, you know, Howard UNLV scenario or, you know, the the, you know, the any of the other FBS upsets that have happened, um, you know, where you, hey, you know what? You're just hitting on all cylinders. Texas Southern is completely uh, Texas Christian is completely. Just off their kilter and, you know, you come out with a win. But I think, you know, you definitely want to make sure you get some points on the board. That 90-0 to last year, those guys remember that feeling. They remember uh they remember how they were talked about i mean you know we're hbcu game day and we support hbcus but it's also sports we had a little fun with it we did a segment called bloody saturday where we added inserted some clips from some uh from some uh horror films and some slasher films and uh and added them onto the highlights so so we had fun with it uh but nobody wants to really be that team every year so for them um they're going to come in focused they're going to come in looking to make a statement not only to TCU, right. but to the SWAC opponents. And at the end of the year last year in the SWAC, they did uh, give Grambling some, a run for their money, even though Grambling wasn't as great as they had been in years past. And uh, they started to, to come into their own a little bit too. So for them, you just don't want to lose. You don't want to lose 90 to zero. You want to compete in that game and, and be and be in that game, be within arm's length uh, at halftime.
0: Man, Stephen, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for, uh, for coming on and for... Um talking about hbcu talking about uh uapb tcu's opponent this weekend this has been a lightning podcast and a a lot to uh a lot to digest and and a lot for people to hear about uh some storylines and they they may not have been aware of so thanks so much for coming on before i um before i send you off I do want to ask, I ask everyone uh, normally at the end of the podcast to give me their four college football playoff teams. So I'll ask you that too, but I'd love for you to throw in a celebration bowl prediction as well, mm-hmm. just to uh, kind of round out our HBCU okay. talk today.
1: Right, right. Okay. So I'm a North Carolina guy. I'm a North Carolina native and growing up, I rooted for the Tar Heels. They, 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 they had some, they gave me some hope some years back, but I'm not going to go out on that limb. Uh, I'm going to roll. I'm going to roll with Clemson. Uh, out of the ACC uh I'm gonna roll with Bama of course uh, uh those other two spots uh man you know I, I like I like they didn't look get that great this they didn't look that great the other day no I'm, I'm not gonna pick Florida, I'm not gonna play myself uh Georgia <laughs> and uh I, I feel like usC I feel like usc is due for a comeback so
0: interesting bold i don't think i don't think i've heard a lot of people picking usc i like it it's a bold pick um cool hit me with the hit me with the celebration bowl pick too
1: yeah um celebration bowl um i've i've already gone on out on a limb and i've, had, I've already made my prediction so i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna go with uh southern out of the SWAC, and i'm gonna go with bethune cookman university uh out of the MIAC. i think it's uh bcu's time
0: Nice. Awesome. Well, that'll definitely be something to look forward to. Um, Steven, we can find you on Twitter at HBCU Game Day. Um, we can find the website, hbcugameday.com. Where else? Uh, tell us about the TV show. Where can we find that?
1: Yeah, so the TV show is going to be on Aspire Television. Uh, for those who have it, um, it's going to be at one thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Um, it's going to be a run up to their, uh, they, they're going to be doing some live broadcasts of some HBCU football. So, um, so yeah, everybody, please make sure you check it out. We're going to, it's going to be a preview show. Um, so we kind of give you the lay of the land for that day's action and going ahead. So yeah, definitely make sure that you guys are tuned into the no huddle. We're really proud of and excited to partner with Aspire. and you can follow me at, uh, Stephen J. Gaither, G-A-I-T-H-E-R uh and if you want to so yeah um but definitely uh the aspire tv show no huddle will premiere uh september 7th uh through the celebration bowl so we'll be there in atlanta uh to see it all end
0: awesome man that's super great looking forward to uh to following y'all during the season thanks so much for coming on the podcast
1: appreciate you for having me anytime